everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 82, Rumors. Well, if you're an amateur eschatologist, you probably are wondering whether or not this is the end times, and you're doing research as to if or whether or not all the signs are in place for what could be the end of the day. And that's why we have wars and rumors of wars. Yes, we have wars. We have a real war going on in the Ukraine. I got to admit, I'm somewhat torn by that. Uh, nobody likes a bully. And obviously, that's what Russia's doing, using the pretense of the two basically Russian uh, provinces that are nearby Russia and using them as a pretext for invading. But on the other hand, Ukraine has been historically, ever since the breakup of the Soviet Union, one of the most corrupt nations on earth. You know, it's like you got a snarling mean dog that's getting beaten by a bully. You know, which side do you root for? I think in this case, probably the wisest thing to do is to um, open up the spigots of benevolence and help people who need help. I'm talking about uh, health aid, food aid, things of that nature. Uh, but not to get too deeply involved, uh, too engaged in this uh, area, what's going on. I realize it's counter to our nature sometimes when we see the little guy getting picked on by the big guy. But if there's one thing we've learned in the last 40 years or so, it's that when the big nations go into smaller nations and try to prevail, they usually end up paying with more bloodshed and costs than they anticipated going in because the bigger nations have basically gotten softer in many respects, despite the prevalence of technology on the battlefields right now. We also note that there are, even though our mainstream media in the United States aren't highlighting them, there are many protests in Russia from people who do not want another incursion, another war going on. What we don't know is, since we aren't getting any real news from inside the uh, Russian firewall, is that how many of those people are basically Ukrainian who are protesting, or if it is a general uh, discontent among many people in the Russian citizenry. But nevertheless, what does it do to the market and your your assets and so forth? Well, when the rumor of the war came out, and we knew for days that it was coming, the market went down. And then once the battle was begun and the fight started, the market came up. And that goes to the old bromide in investing is, you know, buy the rumors and sell the war uh, or buy the rumor and sell the action. So anyway, so that's what's going on on that front. And that's my little observation there. I've got a whole bunch of articles this time that I'd like to share with you and encourage you to read if you're interested. One is from the uh, Brownstone Institute, and that's a group that I've really been following more closely in, in recent weeks. 
And Jeff Tucker has a couple of columns from this week I'd like to recommend to you. One is from February 22nd, uh, which here in the USA was President's Day. In my youth growing up, it was George Washington's birthday. But nevertheless, that's just an old man uh, reflecting back. He's got an article from the 22nd called The Responsibility of Intellectuals 2.0. And I would really recommend you go to that, the Brownstone Institute, and that's S-T-O-N-E, Brownstone in front of it. Uh, Just a fascinating article, good article, talking about how the, quote, intellectual class has failed us and is once again are failing us now. Now, another one he has out from the 25th is called A New Age of Barbarism. And I uh, I found this particularly fascinating because he, he basically revolves his concept, his idea, around what is happening uh, over, over in the Ukraine-Russian area but also merges in a bunch of things that are happening in our nearby uh, neighbors of Canada and so forth of that nature. So that's Jeffrey Tucker to Brownstone Institute from the 22nd and the 25th. And as I put my glasses on here, I'd like to share with you from the Breitbart Business Digest, a couple from them, one from Thursday the 24th and the other one from the 25th. they talk about one of the more famous uh, Wall Street sayings is buy the rumor, sell the news. We talked about that earlier. And so what they're saying is the market's overshot in anticipation of a turn of events and then came back up or balanced out or got more equilibrium after the events occurred. That was the case on Thursday's reaction to the news of the attack. Uh What it does mean, though, for us economically going forward, just aside and beyond the market, is that since Russia is a major exporter of petroleum products and things of that nature, and because of our local domestic policies um, restricting our development of fossil fuels, that certainly gas prices are going to continue to go through the roof, and Russia is not going to be as amenable to perhaps selling us some of their products as they have been in the past, although I doubt that. They need cash. They need it big time. The the whole world economic situation is standing on thin reed bamboo legs right now, and so everybody's got to do what they can to stay ahead of the ball. But nevertheless, uh, that's that's the way we're looking at the fossil fuel market. Prices are going to continue to ricochet upward. And then uh, another story from Breitbart on Friday. Uh, today's top stories is what the headline is for that. It says, someone forgot to tell the market we're in the midst of an international crisis. The Dow Jones uh, had its best day since November of 2020 by rising 835 points. Now, That also tells me another thing, in addition to petroleum and fossil fuel stocks, is that if you're a savvy investor, you're probably getting involved in the military-industrial complex because whether or not the United States puts active troops on the ground, that I wouldn't put it past this, 
I think we have some people in leadership who are stupid enough to do that. But if they don't, if they're wise enough to basically take a subsidiary role in this whole thing by supplying arms and so forth to Ukraine, if that's what they decide, by getting involved in other factors, I'm worried about how the extent of this action trickles around to the neighbors. Poland's getting a little antsy over there, and I don't blame them. Um, plus, uh, the Russians have warned uh, the Nordic nations not to get involved in NATO, so they'll have a price to pay if they do that. So a good investment, if you're looking for a place to put your money, make money, and if you don't have a moral compunction that prevents you from doing so would certainly be the military industrial complex. Um, and golly, there's a lot of them. And I guess one of the things um, most noticeable for me is that I've known that for years that GE is a major, a major uh, military provider. It just used to be GE was known for light bulbs, but uh, they've certainly expanded and stayed up with the times when you're in a country like ours that is almost fighting continuously somewhere around the globe. Uh, GE got with the program and found a way to continue to be a profitable enterprise. They also, in the uh, Friday, Doug Casey's International Man communique, he talked about that little fiasco that went on in Canada about uh, bank accounts being frozen and things of that nature. Uh, again, I think it should be a very real fear here in the United States, especially with the trucker convoys starting to assemble and travel across the country. The latest I read uh, as of Saturday was New Mexico, I believe, Arizona, some places like that. Um, said, but Canada just threw out any semblance of the rule of law and property rights, property rights on a mass scale. Uh, they just paralyzed and froze bank accounts of individual citizens, A, who were involved in the trucker protest, and B, who contributed to the trucker protest. One lady who was a public servant of some nature, of some level, I didn't read it too carefully, but was forced to resign from her government job because she gave $50 to the convoy. In addition, you add to that to go fund me, failure to follow through, and in fact, uh, basically trying to determine the charity they would give all the money to, and finally they were forced to reimburse people the funds that they had given through GoFundMe. However, however, you had to ask for your money back. Little clinch there, and how many people will just say it's 50 bucks to hell with it? Go on. And then Go Send Go was hacked. And so the people were what they call doxxed now. They, they uh, provide the names of the people and in some places it added them to Google Maps so they could find out where they lived and things of that nature. So banking is becoming a rather perilous process these days. And one of the things Casey reminds us in that article uh, is that banks don't really... Uh, you don't really own your money in the bank. Once you put your money in a bank, it becomes their asset. All you get from the bank is the promissory note of sorts 
that they will pay you back when you go in and demand it. And as we know with fractional banking and things of that nature, that if there were to be a run on a bank, if everybody or a, a large percentage of people went in and demanded their money back, the banks couldn't comply. So just be aware of that. Where When you put out your money, your assets, uh, that you don't have too much at risk in banks and institutions of that nature because all it takes is a willy-nilly effort by the government or a weakness or faltering of the bank, and your asset goes up in smoke and disappears totally. So that was from Doug Casey's International Man, and that was from Friday the 25th, the number one lesson from bank account seizures in Canada. Also from Friday the 25th, um, Naomi Prins on on the inside Wall Street. Uh, she she had um, it's a it's a Q and A thing this time, but um, I'm just taking from her opening uh, her prologue, if you will. Um, and she talks about what impact the war could have on your investments and things of that nature. And I know it seems kind of callous and kind of unconcerning uncaring to be concerned about your investments at a time of war and actual people, civilians, in addition to combatants, uh, getting killed and harmed in harm's way. And one that has the potential with a spark like maybe we had with the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand in that general region, um, starting World War One that all these things coming together and with the high tech we have now, and especially with uh, the nuclear capability of everybody, it seems a little callous to be concerned about investing. But on the other hand, your first obligation is to yourself and the people you love. And so that's why it may be something you want to look at very carefully and decide where you go from here. Well, these are perilous times we're in. But I would offer to you that for the probably the last half century at least or more, the times have been perilous indeed. It just seem with the high news content that we have and the 24-hour news cycles, we're just more of aware of it these days. Well, stay free, live free, and be free. This is Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earle.